0: This is the AAOS Career Podcast, part of the Bone Beat Orthopedic Podcast channel. This series features conversations on professional development and growth opportunities within the field of musculoskeletal healthcare. I'm your host, Austin Beeson, Chair of the AAOS Resident Assembly.
1: We officially launched at the AAOS 2021 annual meeting in San Diego and recorded a special live on-site episode with Dr. Douglas Lundy, the chair of the Advocacy Council and host of the AAOS Advocacy Podcast. We talk about the intersection of our two focus areas and the value of increasing resident and early career orthopedic surgeons' engagement in political advocacy, which is a key initiative of the Resident Assembly. So please enjoy this episode and all of the helpful advice and examples from Dr. Lundy. And starting in October, be sure to tune in on the first Tuesday of every month for our regular programming.
2: So Austin and I have run into each other here at the annual meeting in San Diego. And Austin is the chair of the career podcast. And we thought, you know, it'd be really interesting to discuss the dynamics of resident participation in the political action committee. So, Austin, what are your thoughts in terms of how residents could or should be involved with the AAOS PAC?
0: Thanks for the introduction. I think it's very important that we get involved early. I think, one, as we progress through training and then move into early phases of our career, we quickly kind of just get swept into the environment as it exists, and if we don't develop an understanding of how the process works, how to make change from an advocacy standpoint early in our careers, I think it gets more challenging as we go forward. So I think as residents, it's a huge benefit to or an investment in our futures to get involved early, but also an obligation that we should have to basically play a part in that.
2: What do you think would be impediments towards saying why they should join the PAC? Why should they get involved with political advocacy at all? What are some of the impediments that you feel that your colleagues might face in this with a very broad stroke of the brush?
0: I think there I think a lot of political topics are sensitive. So I think as we're coming through training, we're obviously trying to, I think, just learn orthopedics and not make so many waves
2: on a political stage. Yeah, that's very fair. And this certainly with the Significant divisive nature in our political system as it currently is is not very constructive to gaining a lot of people to want to step into the space. In terms of policy or issues, what do you think is mostly resonates with y'all in terms of what's happening with the Office of Government Relations and with our advocacy agenda?
0: That's a great question, and I think maybe I don't know, maybe I don't know if it's fair. Can I flip that on you and ask: Have any residents come to?
2: the advocacy council and asked for help with things? That's a great question. To your point, I think that most of the residents are treading water so fast, they are trying to get everything they can to learn what they can. And as you and I were speaking earlier about, you're in the midst of applying for fellowships. That's another huge stressor. All the while, part one of the ABOS is sitting out there waiting for you. So I think that It's a big impact on y'all to even consider such things as political advocacy. Having said that, a lot of the payment issues, how orthopedic surgeons are reimbursed and compensated on a federal perspective will impact y'all as you move into practice and how things go from there. Scope of practice issues are imminent and they're everywhere to be found and they're always encroaching on what we do for our patients and in our practices, without our constant attention to legislation that's coming down off of Capitol Hill, we could very well get into a situation to where what you learned in residency and then when you come into practice, all of a sudden, that may not be as possible anymore. So to your point, I think that it's extremely important for residents and fellows to get involved on the ground level. However, in many ways, I think that they look at these issues and say these are so distant so way over my pay grade that I don't have time to really focus on these at this point. Do you think that's fair?
0: I think that's exactly what I was trying to articulate. I think a big push of the resident assembly this year has been to increase resident involvement in the pack because I think on the surface most residents would agree that being involved with these decisions and being involved with advocacy is important but it just seems so far away or so out of the scope of what we know we have to learn right now. And so I think we, we shy away from it, like you said, but I wonder if that's to our detriment. And I guess the next question would be, how do you see residents playing the most effective role they can? What are the best ways to
2: get involved that's not overwhelming, but also meaningful? That's a great segue. I think one of the important things for people to understand about the value of Academy membership is the ability of the AAOS to effectively advocate on behalf of its fellows for the betterment of our patients and our practice. No other organization can do that with the effectiveness and impact. And it's not just the Office of Government Relations, but it's all the volunteers through the Board of Counselors, through the Board of Specialty Societies, through the Advocacy Council, the PAC, and all the other organizations that come up to the National Orthopedic Leadership Conference and go up to Capitol Hill and let their voices be known. We found over time, though, is that people need to be consistently engaged. And a lot of the ways that people consistently start with their engagement is through contributions to the PAC. The Office of Government Relations itself has three divisions. The Legislative Division, which works with Congress on Capitol Hill trying to pass effective laws. The second is the Regulatory Division that helps governmental regulatory agencies write the rules in response to the laws that were passed in Congress. And then the third is the political action committee. And the importance of the political action committee is that it enables us to keep our friends in Congress who are sensitive to our needs and the needs of our patients. And also it helps us get our issues out in front of them so that we can make sure that our voices are heard. That's
0: very helpful. And one thing I just picked up from what you said is maybe just understanding how the process works. For a resident, I I didn't know that there were three different groups. I think that is probably a huge takeaway is just understanding what is happening, what the process is and how it can work. And I think contributing is a great way to take some ownership for the process. I I think that's very helpful. I learned something there.
2: Yeah. Let me give you a quick story on that, what happened. So I'm a trauma surgeon in Metro Atlanta. And I was called by the Office of Government Relations saying that there was a congressman in an adjacent district in Georgia that was a key vote that we needed for the PRORP, which is the Peer Reviewed Orthopedic Research Program, which is doing a lot of work to help our soldiers and sailors and airmen who are injured to give them the best possible recovery and life that they can have after musculoskeletal injury in the conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan. This one congressman was needed to buy in I had a patient that I had done LSR transport on from actually a ballistic injury from a fireworks accident who happened to live in this congressman's district. And so I called the patient up and said, hey, would you want to meet your congressman? And the congressman I knew because of my involvement starting in the PAC and interacting with members of Congress, and I had access, not because of my positions within the academy, just because I had done the work ahead of time. I walked in the office, he recognized me, and I said, Congressman, this is why the PRORP is so important. He sat down and said, well, Congressman, let me tell you, he pulled his pants up, and of course, it was all scarred up from his severe injuries, the Congressman's jaw hit the table. I was able to relate how the learnings that occurred in Afghanistan and Iraq from the injured warriors, I was able to use in a civilian sector to help this Congressman's constituent gain his leg back. And literally within 10 minutes of him talking to his constituent, he said, Hold on one second, sir, and leaned back, yelled out to his staff, said, Please call DC and tell them I'm signing on. I really wish that so many of our colleagues and the fellows of the academy could see that and go, Wow, this is so important. If I do the groundwork ahead of time to interact with my member of Congress and start to know these people so that I can call them on times like this and say, Hey, I've got something I need to talk to you about, and really gives you a huge boost of enthusiasm to go, wow, what I'm doing really does make a difference.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. And I think maybe another misconception is that the involvement has to be a huge commitment of time. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's over time you do put in a lot of hours, but it's a little here and there. And whenever you have that time, you can give that and get involved. And eventually that accumulation of efforts gives you an opportunity to do something like that. That's very
2: impactful. And we really we really look forward to the residents just being involved. So the pack is the way in. You can get your name on the log. And then as you do that, that opens doors before long you're getting involved with different events in in your community where you can go meet these members of Congress, that every one of these events are gonna be physician champions who've been doing this for years, that are happy to tech you right alongside with them and go, Hey, come on, I'm gonna introduce you to them. When you're actually listening to the political debate on the national stage, you can start to hear the noise and see the truth. And you can say, I understand now why I have to do certain things with Medicare and Medicaid, and I understand how that impacts the private payers. I understand how it impacts my scope of practice, my licensure, what I'm allowed to do in my surgery center and my hospital, how we can help our patients gain the most access and care that they need to get better. The other important thing about this is that the PAC is essentially for all intents and purposes right down the middle we contribute to democratic and republican leaders in congress that are like-minded and that are championing our efforts we have room to table for everybody and we need everybody at the table so i think if i was you know if i was a,
0: a resident listening and i said how can i get involved today so i think one the Political Action Committee is the place to start. Maybe as a plug for your podcast, the Advocacy Podcast is a great way to figure out what issues are current and what noise we are making in Washington, and maybe start there. I think just becoming informed of the process and then trying to find inroads. And I think also residents at your home program, whether that's the resident delegate or someone has a connection to the resident assembly who can also help you find some connections with folks like Dr. Lundy or people who are involved in advocacy who can help you get more involved if you wish. But I think starting small is maybe the way to do it from a resident standpoint now and try to build those cumulative efforts over time and just understand the process.
2: I think it's important for folks to understand that regardless of your site of service, whether it's hospital employment, government employment, private practice, or in the academic space, many of our issues transcend across all the barriers so that... If the private practice doctors are getting hurt in a certain area, it'll eventually come around and get everybody else as well. And uh, number two, a lot of the issues just simply transcend off the bat anyway, such as scope of practice issues, like who is allowed to do what we do? How do we ensure that only the best qualified people are doing the things that we do rather than somebody goes, oh, hey, hey, I saw a total knee replacement one time. I think I could do it. Let me do it. I also think just
0: as a you know as a group of orthopedic surgeons as a profession we have an obligation to look out for one another. I think trying to make sure that one we're all getting a fair shake and that we're also able to provide the best care for patients regardless of practice setting. Well, if I'm in academia it doesn't mean that I'm not interested in in helping someone who's in private practice two states over. And I think that's what the academy in many ways means to me is that we're a group looking out for each other's efforts regardless
2: of where we are in practice regardless of what our practice model is so without us at the table we would have regulators and legislators who have no training or education on musculoskeletal care making laws and rules that affect how we do what we do this is why it's so important and As you can imagine, we need to constantly have new people coming in and saying, I'm passionate about this, and I want to go along from here. When we go to Congress, we can tout the fact that our newest members, our residents, are engaged in the process. It's important to them, so congressmen, congresswomen... We need you to take this seriously because it's not just the older generation of orthopedic surgeons that are engaged in this. It's all the way down to our newest members. They see what's important. They understand why we have to be involved. And they are going to be here in your office well after I'm gone saying similar things about the best ways for us to take care of our patients and practice our profession.
0: One thing you said about if we're not at the table, people without our experience and familiarity with what we do are going to be making those decisions which ultimately impact us. One thing that makes me think of is, and I've had this discussion with residents, is there value in higher degrees to gain some insight or knowledge of some of these logistics, maybe an MBA or an MPH. Do those kind of programs offer a, a skill set that make you more effective at approaching some of these problems like medical liability reform? Does that make you a
2: more effective advocate? I think that's a fantastic question. So I have an MBA. I got my MBA for two reasons. Number one, I always thought it, I thought it was very interesting. I always wanted to do it. And Then when I was president of the group, we had 103 orthopedic surgeons and physiatrists across 24 offices in Metro Atlanta. It was a multimillion dollar enterprise where if you Person that was at the top of the company didn't understand business, then we were in trouble. So I had to learn quickly. And I've always thought it'd be great to get a master's of public policy or, you know, to your point, a master's of public health. I always thought those would be very fascinating subjects. So I'm a big advocate. It's interesting when you consider when to get an MBA. And this may be a little bit of an aside, but I think it's important for residents to know this. I believe, and many other people believe, it's best to get your MBA after you've been out in practice for a minute or two. When you were in medical school, suppose I'm your trauma attending. You and I are in the same program. I'm on the attendings. You're a PG, let's make you a PGY two now, okay? A PGY two or three. I know you're a four. So you're a PGY two and we're fixing to go operate on a forearm fracture. When you were in medical school, you learned the volar anatomy of the forearm. If you know that I'm a pretty cool attending and there's no senior resident on the case and I'm probably going to give you the blade and you're going to do the approach, Henry's approach to the radius and the case is an hour from now and you got a little downtime, there's nobody else up on the floor in the ER for you to see. You suddenly are consumed with Hoppenfeld and how important it is to know this approach, What's there? What the dangers are? What the neurologic intervals and all those things are? What's so important about this? You learn this stuff in med school where it was hypothetical. Now an hour before fixing this forearm fracture, this has become incredibly practical to you. Same thing with MBA school. You're learning things, but you're going, I guess this would be practical at some point in my life. When I was vice president of our company, about to become president of this massive orthopedic practice. Everything I learned in MBA school, every single course, I said, I either needed this yesterday, today, or I can see where I will need it tomorrow, not a week from now, but tomorrow. So if folks are thinking about getting an MBA, I would recommend almost waiting till you're out in practice. We have a little bit of experience, not because anybody's trying to talk down to you, just because it makes it much more practical, like my analogy just did. It helps you think outside of your standard way of thinking. I think one of the things that you brought up that's very interesting is the hypersensitivity in terms of extremes of political ideation, I don't think has ever been more polarized. Or if it has, it certainly hasn't been in my lifetime. And I can clearly understand, at least as best as I'm able to, how a resident growing up in this era may say, getting involved in politics is a surefire way for me to get my head blown off by somebody who doesn't agree with me or even worse, misrepresents what I did say. And I could clearly understand how that would inhibit some people from trying to get involved in the process. How pervasive do you think that is? And do you have any words of wisdom for these folks that may feel that way?
0: No, I think that has to be one of the top barriers to getting involved is just the hypersensitivity of the political climate. I think just in talking with you today, I think there's a little less stress in doing that if you start small and know that if you're investing in the PAC, if you're trying to get involved with the PAC and the academy, you're not necessarily picking a side. It's truly a group that is representative of both sides. It's a group that is truly looking out for patient care, which I don't think you'll ever be faulted for. But I think that helps make it a little less intimidating. And I guess that makes it easier for me because I have those feelings too. I think it's a very fine line. We try to walk as public servants, as patient advocates, but also within the context of a very heated political world. And it's tough, but I think the PAC at least lets you come in without having to declare a side. The PAC is a less polarizing way to get involved.
2: One of the other avenues that people begin their engagement with organized orthopedic surgeries is through the state orthopedic societies. We encourage the residents from the programs in Georgia to come and present at the Georgia Orthopedic Society meeting. And as they get involved, they are right up and personal with our board of counselor members, and with other leaders in the state who are doing a lot of these things. And we often give legislative updates and regulatory updates there to our members. And just getting to know these people, understand what they do and how you can interact with them is such a easy way for folks to get involved, especially at the resident level. And if nothing else, it's very, very important to network and to know these people because these are leaders within the state. And especially if you hope to practice there, they're definitely good people to get to know as you move forward. That's a huge takeaway
0: for me. And I think that's one of the biggest benefits of the academy meeting involvement in the academy for residents is that networking and getting you in proximity to people who can help you get involved, show you how to be effective when you are involved. So I think that's a great point.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the AAOS Career Podcast, part of the Bonebeat Orthopedic Podcast channel with production and sound design by Mission-Based Media. For more information on this topic and to hear other conversations on professional development, please visit aaosorg forward slash thebonebeat-career.